Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. You better double check that pulse. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it has been entirely too long since we heard the theme music, and by that, I mean two weeks. Go ahead and cue it up. Play the song. That's right, the Dolphins are back in the winner's circle thanks to a 30 to nothing shutout over the Jets. That's a sweep. That's 7 of 8. That's 11 of the last 13. That's 3 in a row. It's 9 in a row in that building across the street at Hard Rock Stadium. In fact, the last home loss to the Jets was in London in 2015. We'll go over the game script. We'll break down the key moments. We'll do five big picture takeaways. We'll do the play before the play. We'll hear from quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We always start these shows looking at the stats, and the stats were good for the Miami Dolphins in this one. 30 to nothing is the final score, and it was comprehensive in every sense of the word. 16 first downs to 11. That doesn't sound comprehensive, but I'll tell you why here in just one second. Miami was 6 for 15 on third down, but at one point when Tua was still in the game, they were 6 for 11 and 1 for 1 on fourth, so very efficient in that regard. In fact, with Tua under center against the Jets this season, Miami was 17 for 27 on third downs. That's that's going to win you a lot of football games if you can do that. The Jets were 5 for 13, but a lot of those third down conversions were very late in the game. Miami 2 for 2 on fourth. The Jets 0 for 2. 290 total yards to 103. So not a crazy discrepancy at the end of the day, but it was 5.5 to 1 again when the first team exited the game at the end of the third quarter there. Uh, 213 passing yards to 80 passing yards. 77 rushing yards to 23. The Jets ran the ball 12 times for 23 yards in the game. Miami had two more more plays 57 to 55 kind of nice to get out of a game where you don't have a lot of you know you've had games where you had 80 snaps in the past under 60 for both sides of the football so in and out pretty quickly there um four turnovers for the jets none for your miami dolphins six sacks for the dolphins three for the jets against our offense and the dolphins had nine penalties for 65 yards the jets seven for 55 miami held the ball for over 36 minutes in this game so great stuff there all around for the Dolphins. We'll sprinkle in some stats as we go along here because Miami's numbers, very, very good in this one. Before we get to the game script, I want to go ahead and play some audio here from Tua Tungavailoa, who talked a little bit about how the week was coming off that difficult loss. Short week, bad taste in your mouth. And we felt it, right? Fans were in a panic. I was not my normal self all week long, but that team, the guys that matter, the ones that put the jersey on, they never wavered. Throughout the week, no one, no one changed what they did uh, in their normal routines, no one did more than what they'd normally do. Everyone um, knew that what we, what we had put out Monday night was embarrassing, and it felt weird as we came into the building. And uh, one thing we wanted to do was not not feel that feeling again. So, uh, in a way, guys were happy that it was a short week that we got to play again, and um, you know, sort of exercise. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we didn't do right and take the right step forward um, in winning um, and really winning the way we did today. 
And the game began with the Dolphins on offense, which has been a rarity, not just this year, the last two years, as they actually lost a coin toss and began on offense. And the game began the way you would think it would or would hope it would. No Tyreek Hill, by the way, which if you haven't covered the game at all, Dolphins were down several key parts in this game. No Tyreek Hill. You know about the injuries on the offensive line. Robert Hunt, Isaiah Wynn, both out of the game, went on IR. No Connor Williams. So your entire interior three are out. Your top receiver is out. On defense, Xavier Howard having a great year. He was out. Javon Holland, your top safety, Deshaun Elliott, your other starting safety, both those guys are out. No Jerome Baker, no Jalen Phillips. You're down several critical parts of like your top 20 players. Like half of them are out, right? But Miami came out and threw some haymakers, threw some punches, and put themselves in position to win this game early on, despite the fact that the opening drive didn't go that way because Waddle gets a couple of catches for 21 yards. He's making guys miss. He looks good. He looks quick, and the ball's coming out fast. They get a couple of runs off the perimeter, but then you get a holding call that wipes out a 20-yard gain to Waddle down the middle of the field, and he exits with an injury and goes into the blue medical tent, luckily pops back out a couple of plays later, and is right back in the game after the Dolphins got the football back because they punt the ball, and then the Jets Jets take the ball back over, and the dominance was apparent very early on. So the Jets get the ball backed up in their own zone, and first down, successful running play, and then Bradley Chubb, who had a well of a game, beats a block and gets a tackle for loss to create a third and six, and then Christian Wilkins comes flying down the pike for a big sack fumble on Zach Wilson, which, by the way, Chubb was the one that knocked the ball out there, too, so he gets a couple of forced fumbles in this one, but Christian Wilkins first on the scene. They split the sack. Zach Sealer comes up one yard shy of his third career touchdown, two in as many weeks on the recovery, and just dominant, dominant, dominant from the Dolphins' front. In fact, most of Zach Wilson's early passes in this game were him reaching treating and then throwing the ball at the legs of his running back or tight end who's basically already in pass protection because they couldn't block the edges or the interior the entire game. I mean this Dolphins front and this pass rush has been ferocious. We'll come back to that here in just one second. They get a big takeaway early on to put the Dolphins right back in scoring range and I know you guys out there love this. Uh, the first two results I didn't love, which is so funny because McDaniel always touches on this, right? I, I like the play call if it works, and you're an idiot if it doesn't work. But Dolphins take over first and goal, stuffed. Second and goal, stuffed. And that one lost yardage. So now it's third and goal from the three-yard line. And here's what I love about it because this spot is the tendency breaker. And we'll come back to this in the in the takeaways because it's a big takeaway for me that the Dolphins created this touchdown situation because the Jets were expecting pass and you could feel that they were in man coverage all the DBs and the guys that had responsibility in terms of eligibles in the passing game they had eyes on the eligibles and so when Miami motions a receiver from the weak side of the formation back across the formation it opens up the outside lane and all it took was a Teron Armstead seal off the edge and it's a walk-in a cruise-in touchdown which by the way is a record for Raheem Mostert. Congratulations to Raheem. He scored two touchdowns in this game, so 20 total, 18 rushing. Those are both Miami Dolphins records. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back on the takeaways and talk about that. So quickly, 7-0 in a spot you kind of felt like, let's get an early start. Let's dampen this quarterback who hasn't had back-to-back good games in his career, just came off the best game of his career. Let's take that confidence and zap it right away. And what better way than three guys putting a big hit on him and strip-sacking him and turn the ball over and scoring seven points right off the bat. That is how you start. That's how you respond to a tough week. You love, 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 love to see it. The Jets get the football back 
And it's more of the same. David Long down the middle for a big pressure right in the face of Zach Wilson. Bradley Chubb gets a big stop that creates a third and six, and then they convert. They convert after that, their first first down of the game, but it wasn't much more after that because you get great coverage from Van Ginkle, which, by the way, our play before the play goes to Andrew Van Ginkle on second and four where he has Tyler Conklin, who, if you listen to the preview podcast, we talked about how the Jets want to throw these covered seam balls and covered perimeter balls with tight ends on linebackers. They feel that's a mismatch for them with either Tyler Conklin or Jeremy Ruckert. They try it, but you're not going to do it on Andrew Van Ginkle because he runs step-for-step with Conklin, puts his punch between the hands and separates them, creates an incompletion. The very next play, Eli Apple, who's you know, getting significantly more playing time. And he's been inactive for uh, for a few games this year, but getting more playing time because you don't have Xavier Howard. He steps up and has great coverage on a man coverage responsibility on a crossing route. Do you guys know how difficult of an assignment that is to run all the way across the field and stay in stride with an NFL receiver and the speed they feature and the accuracy of NFL quarterbacks? It's a tough ask. He gets his hand there, punches it out, and all of a sudden the Jets have a fourth and four and they fake the punt. Good thing that Christian Wilkins has all the discipline in the world. He's all over it, beats his block, gets in there, and meets Duke Riley and shuts it down. So immediately Miami back in scoring range, and they put together one of the strangest drives you'll ever see because of some penalties and some kind of methodical approach. It's a nine-play, 27-yard drive that goes through the uprights to make the game 10 nothing. And more excellent scheming and game planning because they put themselves in a third and short after a Claypool screen gain six and then a flip to A-Chan for two. So third and three, and they get, or third and two rather, they get A-Chan motion out of the backfield into the flat and you wind up with a linebacker chasing him and it's easy pitch and catch. Exploit that man coverage, decide, decipher it pre-snap, exploit it after the snap. Two was very decisive, just was playing on time and in rhythm and moving guys with the manipulation. Cannot wait to come back and watch this tape. He comes back to Durham Smythe for another first down on this drive, and then Miami kind of bogged down with a couple of penalties. So the first drive and now the third drive both had penalties, kind of pushed them back off their, their track and off of their uh, you know their schedule they were staying on early in the game, and they have to kick a field goal here, but it goes through the uprights, 10 nothing, and the way the defense is playing, I mean, that was all they were going to need in this one because the Jets on the very next series, they go three and out once again where David Long and Christian Wilkins, I thought, in addition to Bradley Chubb, were not just two of the best players on the field today, two of the best performances with Chubb, so I should say three, three of the best performances I've seen from Dolphins defenders all year long. David Long was so fast and so quick and so deconstructing blocks in a almost perfect kind of way. He was dominant. Christian Wilkins, whether it was front side flow, backside, you know, break back from the running back, he was all over the place. Pass rush. He shuts this first play down. You get Bradley Chubb, who oversets Makai Becton, then wins right inside for an easy sack on Zach Wilson. They draw it on third and 24, ball right back to Miami. But the Dolphins go three and out and kick the football back to the Jets. And this is actually kind of funny because there was a sack on third and three, which the Jets went cover zero and Miami was empty. So once the first or second reads not there for that, the pressure is going to arrive because they had zero pressure, uh, zero coverage and simulated pressure up at the line of scrimmage. And I told Seth this in the press box. I said, that's actually a good sack because Tua didn't force that. We stayed, you know, on the plus side of the field and the, the way this game is going to go, manage the game the way you expect your defense to play as well. And then we get down to the, the post-game radio for it and OJ's talking about these good sacks that Tua took. And then we get to the, pre- the post-game press conference and McDaniel says that's one of the best sacks that Tua could take right there because of the fact that he's not forcing the ball into pressure and you know throwing the ball into this tight coverage. And I want to go ahead and play the audio because we were all in lockstep and thinking that Tua, 
because of the adversity he's faced this season and the decisions he's made and kind of that Rolodex of plays in the back of his mind, one of the smartest quarterbacks we've ever been around, right? A guy that can tell you what the route combination, the pressure in the front and the protection on his Alabama Devontae Smith game-winning touchdown pass in the national championship. He can recall all that for you now. What is it? Eight years after the fact. So this is a quarterback that can process that stuff very quickly. So he's able to take his lessons earlier in the year and apply them to critical situations in a key December football game against a division opponent. Let's go ahead and play some audio here from McDaniel, who touched on Tua's performance. He was asked about not just the outside noise that Tua had heard this week, because if, if you're on social media, you hear it, but we know that Tua is not on social media. But McDaniel was asked about the outside noise and the questioning of his performances, and he eventually gets to this thought about Tua's growth as a player. Let's go ahead and show this audio here with Coach talking about the sacks being ultimately probably a good thing. It's not like we talk about that, um, but noise is loud. You embrace adversity for the opportunity that it is. Um, but it did, far from surprised me, I could tell all week, um, you know, there are certain things that him in particular, uh, him and Jalen Waddle were doing together that I, I, I knew they were going to be able to do some explosive stuff. And he really did a great job um, playing within the play. There was a couple times that, there was a shot down the field. Um, I think on the two sacks, if he would have had a um, a tick longer, he probably would have thrown the ball. Um, but it would have been he would have been pressing to do it. And you know, so I, I was really fired up about his, his sacks, to be honest. Um, and you know, I think I think you're what we're watching as a team is a bunch of uh, young players really coming into their own. Um, and he's, he's one of the primary ones to us uh, because he's he's not he's learning from everything. It doesn't mean everything goes well. Again, I think that's fake, um, and that 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 would make me nervous if at this point in the season we hadn't gone through adversity. Just because I know what what is coming, um, so I think that it was a a, a great example of him worried about the right stuff, um, which is his, his responsibility each and every play. And he, was, he definitely commanded um, the game entirely. So it's not, a, it's not points, but it's not a turnover, right? So the Jets get the football back, again, deep in their own zone. And once again, the Dolphins just continue to collapse the pocket with Bradley Chubb inside, outside, going on stunts, rushing one-on-one. It just didn't matter. They could not block the guy. And then Zach Sealer finishes the drive off with a sack of his own where he just walked the left guard all the way into the quarterback. And then once it was time to make the play, toss him aside and go get the quarterback. Like this front did whatever they wanted to do all game long. And it was a blast to watch. And then Miami pays it off just one play later because Quinn Williams was doing the waddle sack dance or the waddle touchdown dance on his sack. Should have done that, my friend, because one play later, Miami dials up a shot. It's Tua on a 60-yard dime, and this thing was let go as Waddle makes this double move break, which, by the way, let's, let's pull this back a little bit because I've talked about this to people that I talked to in my group chat. I've talked about it on the post-game, pre-game radio. I've talked about it here on the podcast. Anybody that wants to hear about it, I can show you tape and this goes back to Waddle's rookie year when I thought that he had some yards left on the field just because of the circumstances. And it's not anybody's fault. Sometimes the pressure look forces the ball out hot. And because Waddle runs one of his best routes of the game on that look, you don't get a chance to see him catch a 60-yard touchdown pass because the ball had to come out to Durham Smythe hot on a check from Tua. 
But not this time. Not this time. They dial up a shot play to Waddle, who makes an excellent double move, and Tua uncorks this thing before he makes that double move, and the ball just lands right in stride. Speaking of the Devontae Smith touchdown pass in the national championship game, I mean, you couldn't have handed this thing to Waddle any better. Right down the field, big strike, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Let's go ahead and hear from McDaniel on that play. There's not many people that could cover the route that Jalen Waddle ran because it's not many people that are capable of of going vertical. He he did a, a left right move, um, and then still found an exit angle, um, which is a is a very hard thing to do. So we, we really like the player, the matchup, um, and uh, you know just kind of the way the, those two were connecting all week was that um, was pretty easy to call. And then at seventeen nothing right there right before the halftime break, and the Jets get the football back, and once again, it's pretty quickly back to the sideline because they did convert on a legal contact play, but then you get an Elijah Campbell pass breakup showing range from his deep half responsibility at safety. All the guys played great. Brandon Jones got two picks in the game, by the way, taking his career high, career total to three picks this season. Great to see him bounce, uh, to, to, to come out and get a chance to start the game and really play well. And then third and 12, you got David Long chasing Zach Wilson backwards towards his own goalposts. Like every play was like run backwards and try to make something happen. And because he left the pocket, it erases an illegal contact call they had made, picked up the flag, put it back in your pocket, punt the ball back after a manual Ogba sack on the previous play. So the Dolphins get the football right back. And now you have a chance to go basically not win the game, but put it really out of reach, right? Four scores at halftime for an offense that's struggling is a lot to overcome. And you get three conversions with Tua on third down, third and three, a slant, a dart to Waddle for an additional first down and 15 yards because of a late hit on Waddle. You get a third and six dot to Berrios on the perimeter who makes a great lunging catch up over his head. Also had a great day returning the football today on kicks. Braxton Berrios did. Then third and seven on the plus three, two tight, uh, Tua hits what I think was maybe his best throw of the day besides the deep shot where he's got pressure right in his face, kind of has to adjust the feet. And you see him, you'll see some quarterbacks bring the plant leg up when they when they throw like a sidearm, like drop the, the arm angle to three quarters or, or sidearm uh, angle in terms of their release point. And Tua shifts the feet with pressure in his face to help him protect himself from the big hit after the throw. And the throw is right between two Jets defenders on Waddle, on the money, big run after the catch, huge play. You get a 13-yard run from Mostert, and then you get a first and goal and Durham Smythe seals the edge for Raheem Mostert for his second touchdown of the game. And real quick, I gave a game ball to Durham Smythe in the post-game radio show because four catches for 32 is cool, but that dude destroyed the Jets' edge in the running game all game long. He's had a great season. He's had a great career here with the Miami Dolphins, especially these last two years under Mike McDaniel. I thought today was one of his best games. I cannot wait to watch his tape because I think he was fantastic. So first half, 24-0, not too bad, right? Dolphins taking it to the Jets. Let's go ahead and take a break right here, come back and finish up the second half, do the five big picture takeaways. We have a bunch more audio from McDaniel, Tua, and Raheem Mostert, all that next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. 
They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you you telling me? The whole time. (laughs) And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Second half kicking off here on the Sunday night, Monday morning recap edition of the Drive Time podcast. And... Man, it just kind of flew by. The game was less than three hours. Trevor Simeon checks into the game, and he gets sacked on his first third and ten. So nothing happening there. That was on the other side of the break, I should say. They get the football to start the second half, and you get a couple of catches uh, to move the chains for Garrett Wilson, his first catches of the game. But then Jalen Ramsey, who we'll talk about more in a second, makes just a crazy athletic play on third and 17 where Garrett Wilson ran a really good out route and Ramsey. And I was explaining this to OJ after the game. We watched the, we watched a highlight of this play and Ramsey, like he's moving towards the play, like towards the football while he's like in the middle of that pivot, like opening the gate type of step. So he's functioning two different operations at once. Does that make sense? If you've ever played any type of instrument or music, try to play a guitar and sing at the same time. Like those two tunes, if they're not the same, it feels like a much advanced version of rubbing your belly and patting your head. Remember that old game as a kid? Ramsey's ability to move is like that. It's, it's rare. It's freaky. I don't understand. I can't explain it. Obviously I'm struggling here on the podcast. So the dolphins get that pass breakup, get right off the field. They go kick a field goal to make it 27, nothing. We get a pick a Brandon Jones pick right short of the end zone helps preserve the, um, the shutout at this point, kick another field goal to make it 30 to nothing. And then we get a fumble, a Bradley Chubb explosive play off the edge to have his sixth forced fumble of the year, which leads the National Football League to get the football right back to Miami. Once again, in plus territory, Chubb had himself a day, three sacks on the game for Bradley Chubb. I want to go ahead and play some audio here from Mike McDaniel on one of his star pass rushers who went off with seven total tackles, three sacks in the game and two forced fumbles. Here's McDaniel on Bradley Chubb. You know, so often you are trying to take yourself to another level, um, and you're inspired to take your game to another level. And you kind of have to realize that it's the work that you do day in, day out. And nothing has to change on game day. You have to be yourself. Yourself is absolutely good enough. You don't have to try and go above and beyond. You just have to be diligent and play with your teammates. So he's, uh, you know, uh, he's one of my favorite players on the team simply because of how important it is for him to do right by his teammates. And as you can see, him being him uh, is plenty good enough. He was really, really hard to block today. Dolphins get it back, punt it back, but then we get another Brandon Jones interception. Dolphins punt it back, Jets take the ball again, and it is the end of the game right there. Truth be told for you guys, I didn't see the last couple of drives. I was making my way down to the fort to do the post-game radio show. A much better walk than last week when I'm walking through the concourse thinking, all right, we're 10-3, and three. We just beat the Titans, and I go back down there and watch the game play out and into loss. So not very much fun there. But today, a totally different story. The team was 
it was so much fun to watch that game. The post-game radio show out in front of the, the Dan Marino statue there at the South Plaza in front of the team store. Just people with their brooms sweeping them up. Jets fans in dismay. What a blast that was, man. There is nothing better than being there after a Dolphins victory. And I want to go ahead and jump right in to the five takeaways because the game script pretty much over, you know, early fourth quarter, right? So run through that. Let's go ahead and talk about five big picture takeaways. Number one, and I talked about it all week. I tweeted about it before the game. Get out of your feelings. Step up and, for lack of a better term, be a man or be a woman. Doesn't matter. Just be tough, right? Number one, this team is made of the right stuff, and they prove that with how they perform in this game because there was never a question, never in doubt how this game would turn out, and Miami just kept on coming and kept on bringing the good stuff. Short week, devastating loss. You heard all week about same old Dolphins. December collapse. The 1984 Dolphins will clearly have an impact on the 2023 Dolphins. I despise that thinking, by the way. I don't care what happened even last year. It's not the same stuff at all. Down nine starters to injury, and you come out and you put 24 in the first half on the Jets. You beat them 30 to nothing. You cumulatively beat them 64 to 13. Your biggest rival? Come on, how can you not love that? That's the best result possible. And the first half disparity was 197 yards to four. They had four yards in the first half. They were negative yards at one point. Miami allowed just one rushing first down in the entire game. Like, utterly, utterly dominant. So pregame, I said, you know, there's a lot of guys who aren't playing in this one, right? But there's a lot of guys who are playing in this game, like Tua Tungabailoa, who completed his first 11 passes of the game and posted a 119.4 pass rating, which, by the way, Remember when we did this on the Jets game the first time around about all these elite quarterbacks that, and Robert Sala said this himself, that we have quote unquote embarrassed. Do you know what Tua was today? Not just 11 for 11. He was 21 for 24 with 224 yards, a touchdown and no picks, no turnovers, 119.4 passer rating. Like Mahomes, Herbert, Hertz, Allen, all these top line quarterbacks have all posted passer ratings under 70 against that Jets team. Tua, 120, 120 against a Jets defense that shut out C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans last week. So Tua did that. Guys that also played in the game, like Jalen Waddle, who had 118 yards in the first half and 142 total. In fact, he's now 36 yards shy of becoming the first Miami Dolphin ever to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career. What a stud Jalen Waddle is. Also had guys like Bradley Chubb, like Christian Wilkins, like Zach Sealer, who combined for four first-half sacks. Miami had six total in the game. Dominant, dominant, dominant in every phase. You're still the two seed in the AFC. Now, hopefully we get a little bit healthier. I think the game came out okay. Austin Jackson had to exit the game, and he looked like he was walking around, possibly could have gone back in. Maybe if the game was closer, you had Teron Armstead exit as well. But I think those guys came out of the game clean. Hopefully we see X back, Javon back, Rob Hunt back, Tyreek Hill back. Drop those four guys into a team like this? Come on, this team's made of the right stuff. They came ready to play, and they're going to carry that the rest of the way and give you the best version of themselves heading into this run of kind of playoff games before the playoffs. Before we move on to the second takeaway, I want to hear from Coach McDaniel on this team's resolve, what he saw all week long. And I couldn't have loved this more because what did I say on the podcast all week long? You know, I said it all year long. Like watching some of the other teams around the league that are hovering around 500 and it's a struggle to put together anything offensively. You just watch those games and watch the Dolphins games and you can see, oh yeah, that's what the 2009 Dolphins looked like. That ain't the 2023 Dolphins. That's a different type of competitiveness and, and you know, uh, different type of quality of team you're looking at here, right? So use your eyeballs and see what the game tells you. And what did McDaniel had him believing that this team could bounce back and show the resolve they did? 
It's his eyeballs. I don't know, just having my eyes open for the entirety of the season. Um, it's one thing that I mentioned to the team last night. Uh, what, what's given me confidence is how they've responded to adversity throughout the season. Um, we've had four losses, um, and it was just a point of emphasis from the year previous where uh, our losses came in, in streaks. Um, we've had four losses. The previous three um, were one-game losing streaks. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of character um, in, in the locker room. There's a lot of character uh, just in, in the organization. Um, they've been really going after it, uh, the players, coaches, and support staff. Um, every day treating it like it's the most important day. So um, football is not a game of avoiding um, adversity or it's not a game of uh, you go through a season uh, and you don't have things happen to you. It's actually quite the opposite. You need to have things happen to you um, to grow and be able to um, handle you know, some of the moments that come in December. So um, there, there's, uh, there's a, a litany of individuals um, in that locker room and um, beyond that gave me absolute confidence that they would um, come and compete today. So you know how earlier in the podcast uh, we talked about McDaniel praising Tua for not forcing the ball and taking sacks in situations where the sack is probably the best option? Let's go ahead and throw the audio here to Tua because he touched on the same thing. And I just love how lockstep and together these guys are with their thinking. That's the recipe for success, man. Your head coach and your quarterback being this lock in lockstep. Uh, the protection did, did really well. I would say um, on Monday with the things that had happened, um, you know, with guys going down and then others having to step up, um, it was a good rep um, for me that throughout this entire the entirety of the season, um, you know, things like that hadn't happened, um, and we needed just a little bit more time. So, uh, as we went throughout practice this week, um, we we knew what what we were up with, and really, it's it's just that it's trusting the guy next to you. It's trusting um, that you know, hey, one guy might have lost on this play, but don't think that they're going to lose on the you know the next next time we call that play. Just just trust that they'll they'll make that block and. That's really the mentality that not just not not just me that I came in with, but everyone came in with. Takeaway number two is brief because I touched on it already, but Tua without Tyreek. Narratives, right? They're fun. They, they change every single week in the landscape that is media and coverage and fans. And ultimately, we shouldn't complain about that in, in someone in my position because that stuff fuels the most popular sports league in the country. It fuels all the benefits we get from this league because of how profitable and how you know fruitful football is and the engagement we get is what makes it that way so shouldn't complain about it but those narratives exist and they change weekly because that's what drives talk shows six games between game six days between games I should say I I get it but they're silly because (laughs) you you generate a narrative off of one game you wind up looking foolish because a, a process should include multiple data points and when just one game is never enough for that but to a camp compete without Tyreek, right? The Dolphins offense is broken without Tyreek Hill. 11 consecutive completions to begin the game. Never put the ball in harm's way, not even once. 
uh, three incomplete passes in the game, an absolute dot 60-yard touchdown pass to Waddle, who again showed you he can get open deep, uh, converts three third downs in a two-minute drive and sort of a, a kill opportunity, right? If you go up 24 nothing at half, like that's tough to come back from an offense that's struggling, hit those critical third downs, super sharp with the football. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua real quick on playing this game without Tyreek Hill. And I love what he said here to Tyreek pregame. This is confidence, man. Confidence is brewing within this team. Um, he was talking to Kyle. He was talking to Chris Greer. I went up to him and I told him, like, dude, if you can't go, we got you, brother. Like, it's a team sport. Like, it's, it's gonna take all. It's gonna take all of us. And he he said, I appreciate it, but you know, don't don't count me out yet. And you know, he made the decision. And you know, it it's tough because he's a competitor, um, um, and he he wants to be out there with the guys. But you know. And with with not having him and to be able to put 30, 30 points um, and, and have a shutout by our defense, you know, it should tell you a lot about the team, really, the guys on on all three aspects and three phases of the game. The Kyle that he mentions there is uh, Kyle Johnson, Dolphins head athletic trainer. All right, let's go ahead and take our last break right there, come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about this game. Takeaways three through five. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Takeaways one and two in the books. Let's go ahead and do three through five. Number three is a game plan bounce back. Now, I praised the job of the Titans last week and Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen and that entire staff because I thought their defensive game plan was excellent. And I thought Miami had a tough time adjusting to what they did to take away some of their top options by spamming the middle of the football field. And today, Miami came back and just kind of used all that and took it to their advantage. Now, I think you have on tape stuff that shows you your opportunities and your abilities to stretch every blade of grass because the perimeter run game was cranking in this one. They found room off the edges and it wasn't like, you know, the big explosive plays thought some of the best plays got called back on penalties actually, but they stressed the edge of the jets running game to create opportunities by, you know, stretching out the second level of the defense, which creates more zone in the curl flat and the hook throws, the quick passing game. Like you're down several guys on the offensive line, right? Your left guard, center, and right guard are not your typical starters at those positions. And you're going to have to do that for the rest of the year at at least two of those spots. But the quick game to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand to kind of negate the reps those guys have against those elite pass rushers and minimize them, I should say. The shot play on the quick change to waddle down the field. The pressure packages from Vic Fangio. I cannot wait to go look at the film and the numbers on the tape behind this one because Fangio was in his bag all game long. And how about Jalen Ramsey, man? My goodness. So he said after the game that he found out he was going to shadow Garrett Wilson because Xavier Howard was not playing. Typically, those guys play one side of the field and even kicked inside to go cover Garrett Wilson inside when he was playing from the slot. 
First half, no targets for Garrett Wilson. He caught three for 24 in the game. Jalen Ramsey is that dude, man. He is that dude. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on the game plan of the coaching staff. With Mike, he, he was just trying to get a feel um, off of how the defense wanted to play with Ken being out, if they were going to pressure more, if they weren't, um, what the back end was going to look like. And so um, I, I think in that regards, he, he was just trying to, trying to get, the, get the ball out as quickly as possible. Um, because it also does help our, our guys up front. Um, you know, it throws off the timing of, of the, the D lineman with where the spot is for the quarterback. And so, yeah, I, I think that that was uh, something that Mike had done really well in the game plan for today. Takeaway number four is that ferocious front, man. They got after it all game long, all kinds of records and jaw-dropping stats produced by this Dolphins defense. Let's go ahead and pull up Mr. Brett Kaisen's timeline because he had all the good stats for us. 23 rushing yards allowed are the lowest since 2010 for Miami and the seventh fewest allowed in a game for the Miami Dolphins defense of all time. Not too bad, right? The Dolphins also allowed 103 total yards in the shutout victory. That is the second lowest output allowed by a Dolphins defense in their entire history. It's also tied for the fourth fewest yards by a Jets game in their history. The Dolphins allowed just four rushing yards in the or four total yards, I should say, in the entire first half. It was the fewest yards allowed in an NFL game since 2015. Broncos and Raiders, they held negative 12 yards in that game. Just utterly, utterly dominant, man. All game long, they brought this dominant stuff on defense and on offense. Five sacks in the first half was the second time since 2000 Miami had five sacks in the first half of a game. The other one was the Dan Campbell game up in Tennessee in 2015. Just dominant by this Dolphins pass rush. I mean, Bradley Chubb, three sacks. Zach Sealer picks up a full sack. We had a half sack for Christian Wilkins and Andrew Van Ginkle and Duke Riley and Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, my goodness, man, just dominant. And like I said, you're down Jalen Phillips. You're down Javon Holland. You're down Deshaun Elliott. The communication in the back end was just fine. No issues, no explosives in the entire game. I think there was one 21-yard catch and run on a short throw to Xavier Gibson in the fourth quarter of the game. You're down Xavier Howard. You're down Jerome Baker. Like, key parts, and you dominate like this. That's impressive stuff. And takeaway number five, we saved the best for last because a certain someone is a new record holder in the Miami Dolphins organization. Before we get to Raheem Mostert, on his record-setting day for the Miami Dolphins, 20, rush, 20 total touchdowns, 18 rushing touchdowns. Let's go ahead and hear a lengthy McDaniel answer on his running back, who you know means a lot to him. Well, it's the same thing that got him in the position to be um, on this team. You know, it's there's a lot of people on the team that have been told they couldn't. And there's certain types of people that um, really thrive in the, in those type of um, scenarios. Raheem was told he shouldn't have a NFL career from his first draft day. You know, you go undrafted, that's, that's, that's something that people don't really pay attention to, but that's a heartbreak. Then you ha- you're cut from a multitude of teams. Um, that he's one of the, you know, strongest-willed in- people that I've ever been around. And, oh, by the way, he's a unique athlete, um, one that, you know, I think um, second to Tyreek in 16, he, he, he uh, has, he's the only other player to ever go 23 miles an hour, and he did it when he was like 28 or 9. So that's a different type of athlete with a different type of mindset, and um, just very happy for him. Um, and the first thing he said, to me after the game was, yeah, I know I got a game ball. Sorry, there's a gnat. Um, I got a game, 
you know, you got a game ball for, you know, setting a um, franchise record for, for touchdowns. And he immediately came to me and said, you know, every single player on the offense should get one um, because he, he understands that for him to exhibit some of his uh, unique traits, um, each and every play, people really have to grind um, for that to happen. I think a lot of our guys totally understand that at this point in the season, which is why you, you see inspired football. Um, that's uh, really fun to watch. All right, then. Go ahead, Raheem, Mr. Record Holder. Uh, it feels amazing. Um, you know, it's something that I didn't necessarily think I would ever do, um, especially with a guy uh, like, like Ricky Williams and the Russian uh, touchdowns that, you know, I, didn't, I thought the world of him. You know, because me being from Florida, uh, you watch certain players, and, and he was definitely a player that caught my eye at an early age. Um, and so to be able to break his record and then Mark Clayton's record as well, it's, it's, it speaks a lot. All right, I have one last little treat for you guys, and it's this. Bye-bye! Bye-bye, Ricky! Bye-bye, Street! One of my favorite calls in Dolphins history to snap an eight-game losing streak against the New York Jets. How cool, how fitting is it that Mr. Florida boy himself, Raheem Mostert, breaks, Raheem, breaks Ricky Williams' all-time Dolphins rushing touchdown record against those Jets. That's the podcast. 30 to nothing. Dolphins improved to 10-4. and It's our first 10-4 and start since 2000. Let's go, Finns. Let's go beat the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. We'll do the film review tomorrow on the podcast. In the meantime, go vote for all the guys on Pro Bowl. Go check it out with the uh, the hashtag on Twitter as well. You can do all that stuff to get these guys all your votes possible and send a whole bunch of Miami Dolphins to Orlando for this year's Pro Bowl. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Follow me on social at Winkle NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out my guy Seth and Juice in the Fish Tank podcast. Uh, Dan Marino this week. You don't want to miss that. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home.